are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Full house today. Four guys in the studio. Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl here with you, of course. And producing the show today are two guys behind the controls. Dylan Lark and Jacob Hillman. Gentlemen, Lance, how are you doing? Doing fantastic, Noah. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Doing good. Jacob, Dylan, how are y'all doing today? Doing better now that I've got my uh, Waterboy jersey on. Yes, we need to talk about this because this man strolled in. And, I mean, this is a higher quality jersey than I see some people show up to Auburn football games with. This is decked out. It's got the Bourbon Bowl logo on it. It says Waterboy on it. It's got Bobby Boucher on the back. I mean, this is high quality. He let me touch the threads just for a second. I was like, I got to see. Could he put pads onto this and play in it and it not rip? And I am convinced you could. This is incredible. I love the jersey, dude. We need to take a picture of this and put this on social. It's unreal. Well, well the fascinating thing is his Amazon wish list, how it has yeah. all the other movie jerseys that you could even ask for. I mean, I was shocked that it came from Amazon because of how good quality it is, to be tell, tell other people what is on that wish list. Uh, so I have, after the Bobby Boucher jersey that I bought for only 20 bucks on Amazon, by the way, only 20 I have uh, the Bugs Bunny Space Jam jersey. I have Paul Cruz Mean Machine jersey from The Longest Yard. I have, That's probably the weakest one on your list, but I do like it. it it's a nice jersey. Jackie Moon from uh, Timmy Pro and Happy Gilmore's Boston Bruins jersey. That if I ever play golf, I will be playing golf in that jersey. <laughs> it's you a solid to. collection. Listen, I will pay for you to come golf with me in that Boston Bruins jersey. I will. Get it? I don't care how bad you are. I will pay. I'll swing at it like him too. I don't care. We will go to some bougie golf course, okay? And and, I, and you can wear that if they don't kick us out. That would be part of the fun. Jacob, your thoughts on that? Because you're not, the bogey golfer. Not, the a, not a chance they kick them out for. I, I think, you know, they want to grow the game. They might laugh about it. They yeah. probably will. They probably, Act probably like will. a fool yeah. on the golf course, too. When you put it in the hole or not, if it doesn't end up in the hole, I need you to be like, get in your hole, ball! And, you know, I need you to do the drive and everything like that. Now, you guys may think I'm crazy. This Have you seen Have you seen Happy Gilmore, Lance? Yes, but okay. it's been a very, very long time. It's been a very long time. When I, And I have done this at a, at a driving range, like I'm sure many people have. I'm not half bad at it. Now, I'm not swinging to hit it 400 yards like he was, but I can at least hit it straight. Sometimes it's a nicer drive than what I typically can do. Well, not to get too technical, but yes, it's it's one of those. And you've things, seen me golf, so you yeah. know it's one of those things that people can impressively do. It's weird. I've seen people do it, and it's better than their normal drives. Lance preseason depth chart analysis series today. Running backs is what we're looking at for Auburn. We're doing our series like we did in the spring, and 
we went through quarterbacks yesterday and basically we're just going to keep going on a day-by-day basis looking at each position group across the entire Auburn football team today we're to the second one on that list and it's running backs where depth may be a concern but I went three or four players deep take me through the top of your list of course it is the all-conference first team preseason guy and Tank Bigsby yeah obviously you know it's interesting uh I don't believe Hunter or Ingram were on our our uh depth chart analysis whenever we did this in the spring and so we have two new additions and we were really concerned about depth then I feel a little bit better now that we can kind of go four deep but yeah Tank Bigsby obviously uh the 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 sophomore running back that is uh first team all SEC per the media you and I got to vote in that poll really excited to see him uh, come out first team uh, exceptional running back pro football focus thinks he's going to be awesome this season I feel like that's also kind of because their numbers kind of forced that um, but he's still exceptional he should be first team at the end of the season in my opinion uh, he is he's easily Auburn's best running back if he doesn't get injured we could be talking 1500 yards we could be talking borderline you know Heisman candidate at the end of the year I'm not saying that he will be I'm saying that he, he's kind of like a fringe guy especially if he stays healthy uh, so yeah, really exceptional number one running back for Auburn. Something that Auburn has not had since Carryon Johnson. I feel like in 2017, where we're heading into a season, we are extremely confident in one guy. You know what's interesting? We were looking at Heisman odds today, and we've got that coming up in a later on segment. Playing the lines, our Thursday specialty segment that we do, and today we're doing Heisman odds for playing the lines. Ted Bixby's not inside the top 15. Which doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. But at the same time, I think he is going to be like a fringe top 15-ish guy come into the season. It is surprising for me, though, when I see Bijan Robinson is like in the top 10 on that list. Yeah, sitting at plus 1,800. But we'll get, to, we'll get to all the different numbers later in the show. But uh, yeah, there are some guys on here that I don't know if it, they've done enough to merit being uh, on that list. I'm looking at Emory Jones of Florida is also in that top 15. Are there any other running backs in college football that you would take over Tank Bigsby? Um, Brees Hall would be one that I would love to have. Um, I'd really have to think outside of Hall uh, if there if there's somebody that I would be really really confident in. If if we're if we're going in a scenario where everybody's healthy, man, I'd have a tough time picking picking uh, somebody over Tank Bigsby. I think he's that good. I think he's that good. I'd like to have Kevin Harris. Um, I think that he would be nice to have. Chris Rodriguez, another one that I think would also be nice to have, but I don't think they're better than Tank. I think Tank is really, really good healthy. And you also have to look at the longevity of the future. Maybe I should have qualified that question with, is this in a vacuum or is this over the future? But it's hard to peg how good Tank is going to be this year considering it's his second year in football. He was only a freshman last year. It's fathomable that he's going to be much better this season with a full offseason in the weight room with development and whatnot. Brees Hall, I think he probably has reached his collegiate development peak. I don't know how Brees Hall could get much better than what he has showcased. That's not me saying that he's this he's the best running back that I've ever seen and there's no way for him for him to improve, but I think what he the point in which he has developed in college, at some point you reach that potential before you reach it before you get to the next level, before professional organizations get a hold of you, before professional organizations develop you and take you to that level, right? At some point, you you hit a max in college. We haven't seen that with Tank, but I think we have with other running backs. Yeah, so you're saying that Brees has kind of hit his peak, essentially. like that. Like right, I don't see him getting plateaued. any better in college. Yeah. I don't know how they could improve him much more. I can, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. 
Great running back, though. F- Incredible. Yeah, it, it, I think an issue that Iowa State, though, just to go off on a little a bit of a tangent here, I think an issue that they've had with David Montgomery and Brees Hall is I, I don't necessarily think their numbers are inflated. I think they're both exceptional running backs. It's just, man, they get all the touches. Like, they get every single handoff. And I'm not saying that it inflates it significantly. I'm just saying, like, if you're handing off to a guy 25, 30 times a game and you're not giving anybody else touches, they're probably going to if they're if they're any good they're going to rush for a thousand yards but uh anyway anyway uh it's, yeah tank bigsby definitely at the top of my list one of the best running backs in all of college football and sean shivers has to be your number two yes he is sean shivers heading into his final season with the tigers uh not i don't want to knock shivers because i don't think a lot of it is his fault He's not had like a breakout kind of year as a running back. He's just been consistent. He's gotten that 300, 400 yards. He plays extremely hard. And I think this year, if we're talking about like potentially like a breakout year in terms of statistics, like him reaching like 500, 600 yards rushing as a backup halfback, I think we could see it this year based on how this this Mike Bobo and, and these different players are talking about the scheme being more downhill and Shivers talking about how much he really enjoys that. And we've seen Shivers succeed in that in the past. Uh, so he's my number two, and I think he has potential to be uh, even better than he has been in years past. The thing about Sean Shivers is, and we heard this from him back in the spring, he loves this scheme, guys. He loves it, absolutely adores playing in it, says this is how he wanted to be used, running vertically, running up and up and down, north to south. He didn't want to be used horizontally like Malzahn used him a lot of times. And I agree with that because when you watch Shivers, my only real knock of his game is he's not overly agile. Once the guy reaches his top speed or starts accelerating, there's no real change of direction there. He is going to collide with you. He is going to make contact with you, and it will be a beautiful display of physicality. There, it, it, it will be like a massive, it, it, it will be like a massive car accident in the middle of the in the middle of the grass right out there, just like two players flailing in this giant just explosion in, in the middle of the field. He hits so hard, and he's so physical, and he, and he runs fast too. He's not slow. His just biggest knock that I have for him is is change of speed and uh, or, or change of direction. Excuse me, not change of speed, change of direction. And Malzahn didn't use him correctly, I don't think. And once we've gotten to see him really towards the the back end of his career, run north and south. That's that's where he's most effective, and this coaching staff is going to use him that way. Yeah, and he's going to. He, it, you talk about this offense becoming more efficient. You talk about the passing game becoming more efficient. I think the run game is going to become more efficient as well especially for Sean Shivers I think his role I don't think it increases but I think he is his runs are going to be way more efficient than they have in the past I completely agree with you there um you want to go ahead and move on to the third guy on our yeah list? let's wrap it up man because I think third strings probably where this thing ends yeah. as far as guys actually getting touches this year of course Jordan Ingram's probably your fourth string guy am I, am I correct yes Jordan Ingram We'll probably get a touch at some point this year. Even the first two weeks, I think you probably see him against Akron, Alabama State, right? Because it will be that much of a blowout where I said yesterday, you could even get to the third stringers at that point. You could get to the bottom of some of these depth charts. So I I think we could see him touch the rock a little bit early in the season, but really none after the first couple of weeks. But Jarquez Hunter is someone that I think we may see on a regular basis throughout the year. Maybe only three touches a game somewhere around there, but I do think he could spell some time for Shivers or Bigsby. I'm right there with you. He's my third string guy. I think, like you said, I think he's going to get somewhere between maybe three and five touches a game at most. 
Uh, he's an incredibly physical specimen, uh, former Mississippi, uh, Mississippi Mr. Football, had almost 1,700 yards in his senior year, uh, rushing with 22 touchdowns, had 2, 000, over 2,000 all-purpose yards as a senior. His 93 touchdowns in high school are a, it's, it's a 5A record in the state of Mississippi. Really impressive. Shivers is obviously Auburn's clear-cut number two, but it's, uh, having Hunter solidifies that depth at running back, right? Because if injuries are an issue, Hunter should step into somewhat of a larger role, and it should be he should do it confidently. He's physical. He he he's six what six foot two hundred and twenty two pounds. Like that's enough to get the job done in the SEC. I think it's going to take him a season to truly develop, and we we're going to see him obviously a lot more in two thousand twenty two whenever Shivers uh, graduates. But yeah, I think. Having him as that third string guy helps me as a fan feel more confident in this running back room's depth. And I think as as a player, you know, to to know that you've got a guy like Hunter in the backfield. And I'm not saying he's like a like a breakout star or anything, or he's like he's anything incredibly special. I'm just saying we should be watching this guy's development intently. I think I'm trying to compare him to other running backs, not necessarily in style, but in terms of what production he could reach and. I have a hard time believing that Jarquez Hunter will be any worse. And I'm not saying that these were bad football players, but they definitely were some of Auburn's worst running backs that they've had in the last 10 years. Once again, not trying to to knock any guys, but I'm just saying these guys were not as good as some of the other running backs we've seen in the last 10 years. I have a hard time believing that he's going to be really worse than DJ Williams or Booby Whitlow. I, I, I think he can achieve in a backup role similar types of runs if this guy comes into the ball game and can give me four and a half four yards a pop I am happy because he that's what he's asked to do he is spelling time don't lose yards make a smart play I'm not asking you to hit the home run I'm not asking you to be a star right now he's third string if something were to happen to one of these running backs Shivers or Bigsby he's now all of a sudden seeing an increased load and then you need to see him step up in response to that but right now if he sees a touch, just make sure that that it's positive yardage. Make sure that you're getting those four yards when you step out on the field. And I think that's a successful run for a guy like for a guy like Jarquez Hunter. Yep. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk a little Aaron Rodgers. He's back for training camp. What's our perception of the situation as Rodgers gets set for a full season in Green Bay? You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Full studio today producing the show. You've got Dylan Lark and Jacob Hillman behind the board. Guys, Aaron Rodgers back for training camp. Had a really honest press conference yesterday. Laid it all out for everybody. Kind of curious what's going on there. Full season in Green Bay. I'm expecting high levels of pettiness throughout the year. I really am, especially at press conferences, just like yesterday's. I'm curious, who won the spat? And I'm going to ask every single one of you on here. We'll start with Lance. Who won the spat between Rodgers and Green Bay? I think it was Rodgers. Really? You think so? Yeah, I think it was Rodgers. Well, in terms of just the things that he had to say, just to to clap back at the organization. I. Like I've said earlier in the summer, I feel like some of the things that Rodgers has said, he is not in the place to say. At the same time, though, the more that that has come out, 
the more I understand why this guy would be frustrated. They're not helping. They're not getting him any help. And it's he's made it very, very clear that it's not about him getting more money. It's not about him getting getting anything like that. It's just getting help. Just getting receivers, getting guys guys on the field that can actually come out there and play. And something that he said in the press conference that I thought was was interesting is that Green Bay is not a vacation destination. If people are coming to play in Green Bay, they're coming to play with him. And the organization has not been able to get guys to come and actually play with him. So I think he I think the points that he made and the things that were laid out, I understand where he's coming from. Right now, I'll say Aaron Rodgers wins, but I think that could change by the end of the season because, or I should say before next season in the offseason, if somehow the Packers are able to trade him somewhere and get something in return for him, then I think the Packers win this because I think, like you said, he was very honest. He's going to be honest in every press conference this year. He doesn't want to be in Green Bay. I think that's safe to say because of what Lance said, how he's not getting the help and I still don't know if he's going to get that this year, but point is, he doesn't want to be there if he's given the option to leave in the offseason. Well, remember, you you showed me the quote yesterday, which made me further go into the press conference, where he considered retirement several right. times. And I think that's just because if he was stuck in Green Bay, he is like, the, they're not helping me out. I'm one of the best in history, and I'm not able to show it just because I have nothing around me. So he wasn't having fun. But I think if he had a new scenery, which is what he wants and what he will get, then there's a big difference. So I, I think at the end of the day, the Packers have a good chance at winning it. But right now, I think Aaron Rodgers is winning. They were all in agreement. Aaron Rodgers won. He made he made the Packers organization look like one of the worst in college football. Not college college football, football, NFL, and then it's, it's like a college football organization. Yeah, right. it it basically owned by point. the city. You, they. Tom Brady, when he went to Tampa, he was able to bring in whoever he wanted to. The organization respected him as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. The Packers are not doing that. Yeah, they bring in Randall Cobb, but when was the last time Randall Cobb had a good season? When he was with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and since then he's mediocrity, and you know people are making jokes. Hey, this Jordy Nelson. I don't know how much it's going to help keep Aaron Rodgers in there. I I love the press conference. I I I love the pettiness that he's doing, but it the Packers. It's not a good look for them right now. I kind of think maybe it is time to get him out of there as soon as possible before he makes the organization look any worse. It's kind of a wild card right now. Well, that's my point is that he is going to be honest in every single press conference. Like there, We thought Marshawn Lynch had fun press conferences. Wait for Aaron Rodgers this year. I don't think he's going to be as – he's it's going to be a very passive-aggressive thing, I think. Where he's just gonna say things and you're gonna be able should to tell. Should have ran him, a go route on third down. You're gonna be should have done this. Should not have kicked that. a field goal down, uh, yeah. wh- whatever down two possessions with three minutes left in the NFC Championship. You're he sure, will. Should let me run it in from three yards out. Right. He'll be very honest. Yeah, and, he says he has a great relationship with Lafleur. I'd believe that, but I think the GM didn't make the call for them to kick the field goal that I know of. <laughs> see, I still think the issue is that he just does not trust his front office. And Do you he think has, he trusts his head coach? That's a good question. Maybe not after that. And he might not have been as honest after the NFC Championship game as he is now. So if something like that are, is to happen again this year, we'll know. We'll know how much he trusts him. The Green Bay Packers haven't done a very good job of managing this situation. I look at this like an employer-employee relationship. That's how I've been evaluating this whole Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers spat 
And the Green Bay Packers, I think, have mismanaged their most valuable asset at this point. I don't think the GM or the head coach is their most valuable asset because what happens after Aaron Rodgers is gone? We've seen what the Packers look like when Aaron Rodgers is not healthy, and it's not good. There's even been some seasons where Aaron Rodgers has been there and has been playing injured, and it wasn't good, right? But it was still better than what it would have been. And so I think they've mismanaged their most valuable asset. You want to make them comfortable. You want to make them know that he's appreciated. You want your employees to know that they're appreciated. I don't think that the Green Bay Packers have been a very good employer to him, at least from what we know about the situation. And I don't think we know everything. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is letting everybody know everything. I don't think the organization definitely isn't letting everybody know everything. So my thing is, I don't think that they've managed the situation well. But on the flip side, Aaron Rodgers is under contract. And this is kind of what Lance has gotten at a lot of times. Aaron Rodgers is under contract. He still has to go to work. That's a little bit different than a regular employee in another place that maybe doesn't have a contract. If they're unhappy, they can choose to quit or leave, go find another job. Aaron Rodgers just can't do that. And so him asking for a trade and all of this stuff coming out and saying he wants to leave, this is the equivalent uh, the equivalent of that in the NFL world or in the sports world because they don't have those rights. But regardless, and this is where I stand on it and this is where I agree with Lance, he still has to go to work. And the epitome of professionalism here would be to go and be a professional and go and play to your best of ability and be all in with Green Bay this year because you're playing for Green Bay. That's what your contract says. You have to play for Green Bay until they until they trade your rights away to someone else. And, and that's just the fact of the matter. He is a Green Bay Packer football player. And if he doesn't go out, there is no benefit to him not playing his best this year. And I really don't know if there's a ton of a benefit for him being petty. Because this also does make Aaron Rodgers look bad. Let, let's don't be real, let, let's be real here. There are a lot of folks out there also getting after Aaron Rodgers a bit. This doesn't make him look great. All divorces are ugly, all right. Like, and that's what it. That's what that's how I take a look at it right now. Is that this isn't making him look good. This isn't making the organization look good. This isn't making this whole situation looks ugly. And my thing is, the more that Aaron Rodgers shows his behind to the organization the less likely somebody else will want to be to put up with that. And we've seen players get blacklisted like that in the league because of personalities. How many more years uh, is uh, left on his contract with Green Bay? That I don't know off the top of my head. Because all I've been been seeing this offseason is like, oh, he's never going to play again. Oh, well, actually, he's going to play, but it's just going to be one season. I think that's kind of what I've been hearing more and more now. I've seen seen different stuff from CBS and ESPN say like, oh, he's he's gearing up for one last final ride. I'm like, okay, well, how much is actually left on his contract, though? Like, I'm I'm curious to see. Like, are they actually gearing up? Are they getting Randall Cobb and all these different guys back to to have one last final ride at it? Those aren't the guys that you go after to have one last final ride. Ride. That's what I was about to say. Is like, are you really about to pick up Randall Cobb to to kind of make this uh this this final season happen? I, I don't. I know, just man. got word that there's one year left on the contract. There is one year left on the contract. Okay. Fearless leader Steve Witten. There you go. Thank you. There you go. Is that what you found, Jacob? Yeah. One year left. Final ride. Here we go. It's the last dance, but nowhere near as cool. <laughs> that's fair. That is a good point. Well, I think that's part of the the in the off season what the Packers decided to do with him can determine whether or not the Packers win this back and forth between them. Because if they're able to trade him and get something for him, that's a huge deal because I know teams would give up a lot for Aaron Rodgers. So if they're able to get rid of his contract and which obviously there won't be much there won't be anything left, but just get something in return, because I think it'll be a restricted free agent after this. But it, it, it's one of those things where I don't know. I, I want to see him go somewhere that 
he can do what Tom Brady's done this last year. How do you think years. other teams perceive him? I don't know if they perceive him as badly as you might think because he's just been treated. Of course, so, he's not Antonio Brown. Right. But do people think that he has an attitude issue? There's because a, Aaron Rodgers is not a shining beacon of good public PR. For sure. For sure. And I think part of it is that the reason I don't think they view him as badly as you might think is that they see that the Packers aren't giving him any help. So I don't think they would have much of an issue with bringing him in as long as they say, you know what, these last few years of his career, we're going to make it happen. We're going to let him kind of run the show. Not really run the show, but in his I think mind, other organizations are okay with empowering their quarterbacks, like Tampa Bay, as Dylan pointed out. If, Lance, there, if there were a place that Rodgers were to go, where would he go in your mind? I have no idea. That's what, I've, that's what I'm sitting I mean, here saying. Broncos? Got, he could yeah, go I know, the, I know Denver's like high up there on the betting odds. John could. Elway loves him. so, And he should. I don't know if he should love the personality. That's what bothers me the most about this. Because who's to say, I, I, I don't want my organization being afraid of my quarterback. Right, like I, I don't want my organization being afraid to step on the on on the toes of a player in, in on the team because like that that's almost too much power, right? That that the player is almost a villain inside the own organization, and Aaron Rodgers teeters on the line of that at the moment. I you agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. In Green Bay, he's he's turning into something. All he does is lose the NFC Championship, and that's all he's done since he won that Super Bowl. So. I really don't see how, as a Green Bay front office or fan, you look at it and say, I mean, this guy's just not. But there are some teams that are desperate enough to not care and to go after that, and Denver is in that category. Well, I still think that the point of that is that will he act like that there? I don't think he will. Are you sure? Like I said, I don't think he will. I just think that there's been so much that's happened in the Green Bay organization that he's just fed up with it. Lance, do you think he'll act like that at another location? Do you think there will be drama wherever Aaron Rodgers is? Because I, I think that's a personality trait. I think there will be a small amount. I think it's kind of similar to what James Harden did whenever he went to the Nets. He, he lost all that weight and he got happy. That's a good comparison. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think uh, yeah, I think, I think there will be a small amount of drama involved, but I don't think it will be as significant as it is currently in Green Bay. There's going to be plenty of drama. Drama follows him everywhere. It's a personality trait. It's People within, are dramatic, and Aaron Rodgers is dramatic. But the thing about the, the James Harden comparison is kind of funny because he didn't lose any weight. You could tell by it was like a day, like a day he lost like fifty pounds because he's wearing. I think he's wearing like a fat suit underneath his uh, warm up gear, and then he just comes back. He goes to the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets practice the next day, and he's slim. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to do that. I don't think he's going to put on a fat suit when he gets to spring tra- spring training, but. I, I don't know. I, John Elway's... I mean, fall camp. Fall camp. spring training. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to follow him. He's he, The media is always going to follow this because it's, as Nick Saban would say, it's like rat poison to a team. It's going to follow him. James Harden is a dramatic character in sports. Drama follows James Harden everywhere. I think that's a great comparison. There are some players, drama just follows them. And Aaron Rodgers, it will be that way wherever he goes. But like I said, some teams are just desperate enough. I want you guys to pick here. Where do you think his next location is after Green Bay? He's going to Detroit. You're kidding. I don't think he ends up in the division, but that would have been hilarious. I mean, I think Denver's the obvious choice other than that. I would have liked to have seen him with the Rams. I like him in the Niners. I would like to have seen him with the Rams or the Chargers. Let's take a break here. We'll be back. More of On the Line.
Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Dylan Lark and Jacob Hillman behind the controls today producing the show. 334-321-1390 is the number to call. Text line at 334-564-1840 at Point Gardner at Dawn Pound is how you check us out on Twitter. NBA draft is tonight. Some Auburn and Alabama players going to probably get selected in the first round you could see three different guys across those two schools get selected in the first round I think that's probably what you're looking at right now between Auburn and Alabama NBA draft coverage can be heard right here on ESPN 106.7 immediately following the drive at 6 p.m. that's how you can check it out on the radio of course also on ESPN and ABC as well if you're at home watching it on television but NBA draft tonight, Sharif Cooper, JT Thor for Auburn. I think both of them are going to get drafted. Jay Billis had some thoughts on them. Listen, let's listen to what he had to say at his teleconference earlier this week. Well, Sharif Cooper, as you saw, is sort of a self-made player. I mean, really a, a, a talented handler, uh, passer, scorer. Uh, he averaged about, I think he averaged about eight assists last year and scored about 20 after that, you know, ridiculous crap he had to deal with with the NCAA where he never should have had to sit at all but you know it, it was hard getting him out on the floor early on but um, you know just uh, he's small though and he's not a great shooter uh, he's a scorer not a shooter so I think as he refines his shot uh, you know he's got a good you know floater and, and all that he can get into the lane and find people uh, he just has the ball on a string uh, a total like wizard with the basketball um, but the only downside is his size. He's not, he's not a, a, a big player and it would, you know, I think the bigger, the better, but it, you know, it's certainly not a, not a, uh, a detriment being smaller, but it, 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 you know, doesn't help. Um, but re- really good talent. I think, a, a clear, like middle of the first round, to, to in the twenties, uh, player. And then I think you mentioned JT Thor from, uh, you know, he's out of, out of Alaska, actually. He's a, he's got size, um, you know, a real high flyer. And, uh, and, you know, I, I agree with you. He, he has been, been rising because he can switch on defense. Um, so he can play uh, a bigger guy. He can play a smaller guy and move his feet and stay in front. Uh, you know, he's a really good shot blocker, including blocking perimeter shots. Um, but you know, I think as he gets more consistent with his defensive effort, uh, he's going to be an even better defender, um, because while he made wild defensive plays, there were some times when, you know, his assignment was able to, to, you know, shoot a decent percentage. Um, but he's a, he's, he's talented. He's not a, not a great shooter. Um, so he's going to have to improve upon that, you know, 30%, whatever he shot from the from the, um, the three point line, but the, the fact that he, he's so athletic, he can get up and down the floor, he can guard, he can rebound, uh, and, and he can even, you know, rebound the ball and take it himself, you know, kind of grab and go or rip and run, whatever you want to call it. And he's a, he's a decent rebounder. Um, so, you know, there's some, there's some upside there with him at the next level. ESPN's Jay Billis there commenting on Sharif Cooper and JT Thor in their transition to the NBA. Gentlemen, let's take a final evaluation here of Sharif Cooper and JT Thor. 
Let's first, Lance, yeah. take a look at Sharif Cooper. Your final evaluation, strengths, weaknesses, where you think he might get drafted. Well, something that Bill has said that I really, really like, and you and I have kind of harped on this on and off during the offseason, is he's a scorer, not a shooter. The man cannot shoot the ball yet, but he can score, and he can drive it, and he can. his layup package is, uh, is uh, really, really strong. Um, kind of has the ball on the st- a ball on a string. That's something else that Bill has said. It's very Chris Paul esque. I think that's somebody that that Cooper likes to model his game after. Uh, one of the best distributors in all of college uh, basketball last season. He's going to be really good, I think, at the next level. So strengths, uh, scoring at the rim, and then um, distribution and court vision. Uh, weaknesses, shooting, and size, and I think I would I would say uh, defending. I would I would not say he's a bad defender, but I think Too his small. size definitely limits him. Yeah. Well, and I think that size will also impact him when he's trying to score at the rim because he's going to be a lot smaller than those defenders. I think he'll still be a strong finisher at the rim, but I'm not sure he's going to be like he was at Auburn. At Auburn, it was incredible what he did. So I'm going to say that's a weakness, but I, I completely agree with Lance. Is that he the way he scores the basketball is. It's just so fun to watch, and teams can do so much with it because he also distributes so well. It's an extension of, of that. that scoring game, and like, I, yeah. I think it, I think it translates really well to the next level, especially if he can develop somewhat of a three-point shot. Because you see, and you and I have talked mm-hmm. about this, Noah. You've seen guards like Trey Young and Steph Curry, and even James Harden. What they'll do is they'll try and get to the free throw line and back somebody into a foul, and you're that draws a lot of that does draw a lot of fouls, puts them at the free throw line, they score that way, and so it'll make defenders try and have to guess whether it's going to be a floater, whether it's going to be a layup. They've got to kind of back off of them a little bit. If he can develop a three-point shot, he's going to be a more versatile scorer all around, and that'll make him really, really dangerous because then you talk about his court vision and his ability to actually like dis- distribute the ball to guys that can shoot the basketball. So he's got a lot of upside. Um, it's just whether or not he can develop that range, you know. I kind of see him as like a he's like a kind of a shorter Lonzo Ball because you know coming into the NBA Lonzo Ball was a very good passer but he couldn't shoot very well. I kind of see him as that kind of player. He's going to be someone that they're going to put on to distribute the ball, but he will not be relied on as a shooter. I agree with that. That's a, I, yeah. I think that's a pretty good comparison. The only difference there is though, think about how big Lonzo Ball. Yeah, there's like six a good foot six, six. Inch, six inch difference. Yeah. Eight inch difference, maybe. No, actually, hold up, guys. Apparently, Shreve Cooper six five with shoes on. Everybody, everybody, <laughs> settle down. Th- thank you, NBA Combine, for <laughs> having everyone freak out because they thought Shreve Cooper hit a crazy growth spurt. But help me out here, seriously. What what was the final verdict on that? Because on Twitter, he said no cap, like he wasn't lying. I think it's a in between. Was he like six three? Probably that's like a good six size or six three. So yeah, that's yeah. a good size. He's I really think... not too small in that. I mean, in college. He was listed at like six feet and definitely didn't look much taller than that. He didn't look taller he didn't look than much that. Taller I should say Bruce much Burrell, taller. Five ten. Yeah. So yeah, he's about a little over five ten. I'm. Do we think he had a growth spurt? Like, is that what happened? Maybe here? an inch or two. I think. I think wow. it's fair. It's fair to say six, six one, six two, maybe. I think that's fair. So that's a big range there, Lance. It's somewhere, it, <laughs> man. It depends on how long he the may fro be seven is. Seven feet tall. Yeah, it depends on how long his afro is. I have is. not physically seen him with my own eyes. He may be. <laughs> well, we we've seen the playmaking ability from him is what makes the size not matter as much because we saw what he could do. No look passes. He's flashy with the ball. That that's that's my thing. He's an NBA player. Exactly, and he's gonna be shown a lot on ESPN. I think next year just. Because he makes the Lamelo ball passes, he has those full court passes, the no look passes, all of that. So he's gonna get attention, and I don't think he's gonna turn the ball over a ton. I know he did a little bit at Auburn, but 
that he's going to have to figure out how to play against bigger guys. That's the big thing. His usage rate will go down when he gets into the NBA, which I think will help him with the turnovers. Not, I don't mean minutes. What I mean by usage rate is when he's on the floor, how much of the offense is ran through him with the ball mm-hmm. in his hands. And that is going to go down a significant amount when he gets into the NBA. And that's going to help him out as far as turnovers. And I think that's going to help him out with assists as well. He's going to be able to do what he wants to do comfortably. I think that depends a little bit on the team he goes to as well. So I don't think he's getting drafted in a range, though, where he's going to a bad team. I think right. I, I do not think he is drafted top 20. He will be outside the first 20 picks. I've seen projections where he goes to the Lakers. That would be that wonderful. Would be <laughs> that Playing would be with something. LeBron in his later years, a lot of wisdom to give. JT Thor, gentlemen. Lance? Uh, I think strengths uh, definitely are size and length. I think that's number one right there. Uh, I think second strength is just upside. He's got so much potential. He's a very, very, very raw prospect, considering he was was playing when, in college when he should have been playing in high school, and he only played one year of college. So I don't think Jay Billis, just just going along with what you're saying here, I don't think Jay Billis did him justice in that in that clip. He called him a, a not not a very good shooter, or, or paraphrasing there, he, he didn't think that he was a very good shooter, which the statistics show that. But I yeah. think you also have to to say though the caveat is. He's got a nice natural shooting stroke that NBA teams like. Like you can't say he's a poor shooter and, and not recognize the fact though that NBA teams actually like him for the qualities that he shows in shooting the basketball. That's exactly right. That's it, the difference between Cooper and Thor in terms of shooting is Thor has good form. He wasn't shooting it at an incredibly high rate. He was shooting well at the end of the season. We saw that in the Kentucky game. But he has good form, especially for a guy that's 6'8", 6'9". Maybe even taller than that. Maybe even taller than that. The fact that he was only measured at like 6'8", something really surprised me. Because Auburn had him in like 6'10". But yeah, I would definitely say size, arm length. We've talked about that before on the show. Upside. And I think he's got that shooting stroke. It's And... You know, there are shot doctors in the NBA. They'll be able to fix Cooper's shot, and I think they'll really be able to fix Thor's shot. Um, I'm actually more concerned on Cooper's shot than I am with Thor's. I agree. Because Thor's form is there. Cooper's is all out of whack right now. I think both of them will get fixed, but I think Thor's, uh, in terms of how how much it gets fixed, I think it's significant. Uh, I think Thor's, I think Thor percentage-wise will make a huge jump whenever he gets to the NBA. And then I think his weakness um, is just being comfortable within his own body he seemed a little uncomfortable at times last season if you if he can get more if he can get more comfortable handling the ball I think he's going to be an excellent player athleticism that's the big positive with him because he's so athletic you can play him a little bit early on even when he's not polished and you know you never know he might spend a year in the G League he might be a two-way player but still play in the NBA a bit. I hate that. Yeah. I just think I mean, he's 19 just, years old. You just don't get out of the G League, though. Very few players. I don't think they're putting him in the G League. Chris Middleton got him. Yeah. I know he did, <laughs> but just very few players do. Chris Middleton's a unicorn, right? Like That is true. But I don't know if he's going to the G League because he's drafted so late. or It's just because he's so young that he just needs another year at lower-level ball. And like I said, his athleticism makes it where he can succeed early on at – the top of the top of the uh pyramid so top of the food chain come on man spit it out (laughs) i really think that he he, his weakness is really like lance said his size because i think his athleticism is a little too much for his six eight six nine six ten body whatever it is so whenever he figures things out and he can control himself because sometimes he turns the ball over because he's a little too athletic whenever he figures that out 
that's whenever he's going to really get his playing time and really shine. I'm going to stay with the comparison train here. Uh, I see him as kind of a Giannis kind of prospect. You know, Giannis came into the league very small, like kind of a JT Thor kind of look. After a few years, he was able to build up. I think he could be Giannis with a Giannis with a jump shot. Those are two different players, though. I like what you mean from a potential and a trajectory standpoint. Now, I don't think he becomes Giannis Antetokounmpo in the NBA because Giannis Antetokounmpo, oh. honestly, gentlemen, it is Shaquille O'Neal, but with the ability to dribble. I, I don't. Th- I think that he has earned that right now. That he has won an NBA Finals, and he did it basically by himself. Now, good team, but I think you have to admit Giannis Antetokounmpo coming back completely tipped the scales, and and he owned that series. Giannis is Shaq with the ability to dribble and actually can hit, you know, 60% of his free throws. You know, it's not it's not hack a Giannis anymore. He actually was able, I don't care if it took him 40 seconds to shoot one, he, he at least put it in the bucket at least 60% of the time. So I don't know if I like that one as much because I think JT Thor plays a lot more like a stretch four than Giannis does. I think also what he's saying, though, is trajectory-wise. Like, yeah, he's right. going to get into the league. He's going to be able to put on, put on weight. And he's he's a really big he'll be a really big physical guy and he's he play style wise is like Giannis but with the ability to shoot I think just a little bit better. I agree with all of that because the way he drove to the rim sometimes I mean it just felt like Giannis but because he's so skinny it just it didn't have the same results. Whereas whenever Can't he bully puts guys. on muscle exactly whenever he puts on muscle he's gonna be drawing fouls like Giannis. Now, his free throw shooting is much better than Giannis. His three-point shooting is much better than Giannis. Not saying he's going to be a better Is there another player that maybe fits Brandon a better Ingram. comparison? Yeah, I like Ingram. I do like that. I think that will be kind of where JT Thor ends up, but his shooting will kind of elevate Ingram got him. good. Jeremy Grant is also a good comparison, I would yeah. say. Can he shoot very well? He's, he's a good relief shooter. That's yeah, I think he, Thor he was has on the, the ability to be better was, than that. He was on the Thunder for a little I, I think I, he Thor, could be better, he, way better than Grant. I think Thor will be able to create his own shot. 42% from the field, 35% from three for Grant. 84% from the line. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Gentlemen, let's take a quick break here. We got one more segment left in hour number one. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you here on the show. Dylan Lark and Jacob Hillman running the board for us today. Olympic action tonight. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Of course, this is pretty much all sports here because there's so much going on tonight. In the sports world, let's take a look at what's going on in Tokyo with the Olympics. Live on NBC from 7 to 10.30, it's the all-around event in women's gymnastics, finals in swimming and track and field. Live on CNBC at 7, U.S. Women's Beach Volleyball plays the Netherlands. At 8, you can catch men's and women's rowing along with the U.S. Women's Rugby Team against Australia. Live from 7 to 10.30, coverage of the first day of track and field will be on USA. Olympic replays are on NBCSN. U.S. men's water polo faces Italy at 7. Following it at 8, U.S. women's volleyball takes on Turkey. Representing the United States, but outside of the Olympics, the United States men's national soccer team plays Qatar in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Gold Cup tonight at 7 on FS1. And the other semifinal at 9, Mexico and Canada will play for the other spot in the Gold Cup Final. Of course, NBA draft coverage tonight as well on TV. You can catch that out on a- on ABC and ESPN at 7. Coverage of it on the radio here on ESPN 106.7 begins 
at 6 p.m. right after the drive. Yeah, man, and if y'all didn't see it, you can go uh, check our Twitter at ESPN1067 on Twitter. Put out a quick little NBA dram- jam graphic. Uh, not my best work, but I thought it, w- I thought it was pretty fun just uh, promoting the uh, the draft tonight. So if y'all want to go check that out over on Twitter at ESPN1067. Uh, anything in particular that you'll be watching with the Olympics tonight? See, I like sitting down. Last night I really got invested into swimming. I really got invested. I was a little disappointed with some of the results. Of course, we've had some conversations about this. I feel like the United States maybe has been a little underwhelming at this Olympics. Do you guys get the same vibe? I, I think so. But at the same time, uh, Suni Lee getting gold, pretty good. That's right. That pretty is true. I, I totally forgot about that from this morning. <laughs> I don't know how I could have. I can't wait to see her here in Auburn Arena. Friday feel, nights are going to be fun. I feel like every single athlete from the, from the University of Georgia has placed like silver or gold in something. Like, every single time I go to scroll through Instagram, it's SEC putting out a graphic that another Georgia swimmer has won gold. And I'm like, how many swimmers do they have, bro? It's like, yeah. used to be Auburn. Yes, it did. Used it to used be to be Auburn. Uh, I'll say this. Now it's gymnastics. Random side note. I really, I don't, like, you said this a few days ago. I'm not, like, keen on, like, having to sit down and watch the Olympics. Like, there's nothing in particular that, like, really, really excites me, maybe outside of soccer and basketball. I'll say this about the Winter Olympics. I will stop what I'm doing to watch snowboarding, and I will stop what I'm doing to watch Jamaican bobsledding because that is so... That is so ironic to me that it's like, oh, it's a hundred degrees in Jamaica, like it's not, it's not going to be snowing, but there they are bobsledding. Like it's, it's one of my favorite. I think it's easily my favorite uh, Olympic event. Well, that's similar to the Alaskan uh, Lydia. I forget her last name, Lydia. She, or that might be her last name. She won gold for the U.S., but she's from Alaska. And I think there's a stat where it's Lydia like, Jacoby. Yeah, you're talking about she. She wants, I mean, in Alaska, I think it's once every like seventy something miles or square miles or something. But there's a swimming pool. So she like she's kind of like that where there's not a lot of swimming going on in Alaska, but she came out of nowhere and won gold. But America. I'm watching golf. That's where I'm looking at. What takeaways did you have from yesterday's tournament? A lot of names that you didn't really. The Americans did not perform that well. Patrick Reed minus three. That's good. But the leads minus eight. This wasn't in my TV guide, and I should know this. Is there action today? There is. Yes, they they start teeing off at. That's on Golf Channel. Five fifty two, and <laughs> I don't know. The Americans, Still once have. again, not performing well because this course is easy to score on, and none of them have done that. So we'll see. Justin Thomas made 18 pars last night. This is quite nice. a unique experience to be golfing in Japan because golfing in Japan is at a premium considering there's not as much land and there's just not as many courses. Correct. It's kind of like what you guys were talking about. You know this. It's kind of like what you guys were talking about with Alaskan swimming and the Jamaican bobsledding. This is truly a treat to be golfing in Japan that's, because that is at a premium. That's the name of my next indie rock album, Golfing in Japan. That's <laughs> the name of my next band. There you go. There it is. Anybody out there that wants to steal that? What's the lead song? Uh, it's a good question. Let me think on that for a second. <laughs> Hang on. Let me out. For those All people right. that don't know, though, this guy can jam on the piano. Lance can really? jam on the piano. I'll so throw, I'm expecting that album. I'll throw down, man. I'll throw down. I wish I could play guitar so bad. Like, if I could play electric guitar, then I would put out the album. If I could sing, I would. <laughs> can't do a lot of things. I can't play I can't play piano a little bit, though. Just a little bit. Jacob, anything you can do other than bogey golf? Oh, goodness, no. no nothing musically. <laughs> Talk on the radio? Yes, that's about Talk it. Talk on the radio and bogey golf? Yes, pretty much. And watch golf? Oh, yeah. That thing, it all goes together. So, well, I guess I will say some people can't watch golf, but they, they'll play golf. It's a talent. <laughs> <laughs> I Take wish patience. I was very talented at golf, and I'm not. 
I'll sit down and I'll actually like like I'll I'll enjoy I I do enjoy watching golf. Like it's nice. I'm not one of those people that's just like like I can't stand it. I do, I do enjoy watching. For whatever reason I love this because it's primetime golf. I love primetime golf. For whatever reason it just well, you never get to watch it at night. Exactly. It's just so weird to me. Like, anytime there's a West Coast tournament. I was about to say, has this ex- ever existed before? <laughs> yeah, West Coast tournaments, sometimes in Hawaii tournaments, goes okay. in pretty late. But this is awesome because it goes until, like, 1 a.m. So Golfing in Japan will, like, slowly form into golfing in Hawaii because all I have to do is just take a, take a little bit of a flight. Swimming <laughs> is deceptively exciting, too, though. I'll tell you, because I meant to watch golf last night, and I didn't because swimming captured my attention because it's, like, five to six minutes with the longer races of just, like, wall-to-wall action, literally. Rowdy Rout- Gaines, he he brings the heat. Auburn, I He's one of the best color analysts out there, man. Him. He's awesome. Any sport. Hour number two coming up. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. One hour in the books. Hour number two here. Jacob Hillman and Dylan Lark behind the controls for us. Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered once again. That's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Gentlemen, starting off hour number two here, I thought it would be a fun little exercise to rank the top five matchups for the first week in college football. And as the season goes along, we will... Take a look at each week and rank the matchups based on importance, of course, ranking the top five matchups for the first week and then so on and so forth. Week one has a lot of games that I thought could have gotten in there. Now, there's a couple that stand above the rest, but pretty much three through five on the list, you had some real arguments throughout the week because there's a lot of conference matchups. Believe it or not, ACC and Big Ten teams playing each other this 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 year, or at least they're playing inside their own conference. It seems more league play to open up the season than 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 it typically is big 10 play typically has all their non-conference games knocked out before they start in like week four or week five that is not the case this year you got about four i think you actually have thinking off the top of my head at the moment i can think of four conference games in big 10 play eight teams are playing conference play in week one so there's a lot of action going on in league play am i right on that there's four there's five Jacob says there's five. Iowa, Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Nebraska play in week zero. Ohio State, Minnesota, and Nebraska, Illinois. Wow. Dude, week zero. If y'all don't watch week zero football, I'm not talking to y'all, I'm talking to the audience. If you don't watch week zero football, 
you have to watch every single game because there is always that one game that is a barn burner. All of the other ones will put you to sleep. There is always that barn burner that is like, what on earth is going on? You all remember that Arizona-Hawaii game uh, a year or so ago? Yes. Hawaii's out here headhunting Pac-12 teams. Hawaii is is a dangerous football team to play in Week Zero. Well, <laughs> only for Pac-12 teams. It's well, like Superman's kryptonite. Yeah. Everybody else will smite them, but Pac-12 teams, they watch out. The disappointing thing about Week Zero this year is Hawaii is playing a Big 12 team in UCLA. Or but it's a Pac-12 team. It's yeah. A, yeah, my bad. Not yet. Conference realignment Correct. may see that. But Correct. We will see that in a few years. <laughs> At 2.30 p.m. instead of 2.30 a.m. So that's disappointing to me because it's so fun staying up for Hawaii. and it just The run and shoot is a beautiful thing, especially awesome. when it works. When it works. When it doesn't, mm-mm. it's Mississippi <laughs> State. Watch Washington State. They're fun. What happened to their offense? No, 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 no. Their uh, their their head coach right now is the former Hawaii coach, so they're still running. Rolovich, yeah, Rolovich. So they're still. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Watch them. They do yeah. it. It's I, actually pretty entertaining. It's pretty dope. West Coast football, offensively, fun stuff going on, man. Five on your list. Number Lance? five on my list is actually Indiana at Iowa, and the reason being for me personally is because I'm putting a lot of stock in the Indiana Hoosiers football program. I believe yesterday I was kind of I was not being very kind toward their basketball program, but I've I've got a lot of stock put in their uh, football program this season, so if they can't go uh into Iowa and come out of out with a win, then I'll just forget them. <laughs> like the <they're, they're>, the <laughs> season's over. The season everybody go home. I started in a different place in the Big 10. I went Ohio State at Minnesota that game at 7 p.m. on a Fox on the Thursday. This game doesn't hold as much importance as the as the other games and I'll just go ahead and say this. I don't have Indiana Iowa on my list. They were Ooh. a contender, but I went with Ohio State because I think Ohio State holds a little bit more importance in Big Ten play than Iowa or Indiana does. I'm curious to see who the starting quarterback is, whether it's going to be C.J. Stroud or someone else. I think the odds are that it's going to be C.J. Stroud for Ohio State. But as well as that, they're playing a team in the Big Ten who I don't think is going to beat them, but I think is capable of drawing blood in in the matchup. I think Tanner Morgan and Minnesota's passing attack, and I think the rushing attack, period, I think the offense is going to be able to score on Ohio State's defense that was not optimal at times last year, especially in defending the pass. Tanner Morgan's got a cannon. The guy can move the football around. He can sling it. I think this is a game where we learn a little bit about Ohio State. If we're going to talk about uh, our honorable mentions, my honorable mention uh, for this list is Boise State at UCF. Um, they would be number six. And the reason that I don't have them in the top five is because I think some of these more ga- other games that I have on this on on my list are more pivotal in terms of the the entire picture of college football like the the if, if the teams that lose these games um or the win, that win these games that i think their trajectory is going to be a lot higher than that of boise state or ucf depending on if they won who's fourth on your list number four on my list is notre dame at florida state the reason being our lists are vastly different it's I not a bad thing i think florida state wins this game not because i hate notre dame but because i genuinely think florida state's going to win this game it's going to put them in the top 25 for the first time in forever and i just think that's just a big thing I think that's going to be huge for Florida State. Notre this Dame is better than them on every position group. I agree with you. I don't. I don't know if that. I don't know if Florida State is going to win, but I do think it's. I do think they'll be able to cover the spread and make it a close game, which I think it's only at like nine points. But the Notre Dame is better than Florida State in every category on that football field except for one, and it's quarterback Mackenzie Milton could be the difference maker here. The reason that I say that I think they're going to win this game is because Notre Dame has really struggled against mid-tier ACC competition in the past, and they've been able to eke by at home. I'm curious to see if they'll be able to do it on the road in Tallahassee. And it's going to be a rocking and ruckus environment 
or raucous environment Week in Tallahassee. One. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be hype. That it is going to be wild. Fourth on my list, I stay in the Big Ten yet again. Penn State at Wisconsin. I set this one just in front of Ohio State, Minnesota. This at 11 a.m. on Fox on that Saturday. My question is, does Ohio State truly have competition, or is this going to be some nasty 21-18 football game where all these two teams could do was run the football on each other, the equivalent of just beating your head against the wall over and over again? Is this going to be old-school Big Ten play, or is one of these teams going to separate from the other and actually look like a good football team? You'll learn a little bit as an Auburn fan about Penn State in this game. You'll also see, and I expect Wisconsin to win this game. I actually expect Wisconsin to handle them fairly easily. I don't know if Wisconsin's going to score 30 points I think in my mind they have to hit 30 points for me to think that they'll be able to compete with an Ohio State and their defense will have to be dominant as well I'm saying that you have to look at this game as like a 31 to 10 31 to 14 type of ball game for Wisconsin for me to think that Wisconsin can beat Ohio State and at the moment I don't think that we've seen enough out of Sean Clifford and Sean Clifford would have to have an absolutely stellar day against Wisconsin's defense for me to think that Penn State could keep up with Ohio State because quarterback play has been the one thing that has held Penn State back has held Penn State back from being able to win in Big Ten play at teams like Ohio State to try and win the league now there there was when they had Trace McSorley they were dangerous you remember the year where they blocked the field goal they've been able to occasionally one off Ohio State but to be able to consistently compete they have to they got to have quarterback play now I don't know if Sean Clifford's it if that does happen if a 31 to 10 31 14 type of game happens what is your perception uh, of of Penn State and Auburn heading into that matchup just a couple of weeks later. Oh, I think Auburn wins. I don't know if they win easy. I think it ends yeah. up being a gross game. You know, maybe Auburn wins. I think if Auburn can hit twenty eight on Penn State, they win. I think that's the mark that you got to look at. Four touchdowns, Auburn wins, and I think that's possible. It's going to be tough, but I think it's possible. If you could do it against Oregon in Dallas, you can do it in Happy Valley, especially against that Penn State defense that was downright awful last year. Yeah, and I don't think it's getting any better. Yeah, at number three on my list, I have. Oklahoma at Tulane. No, I'm kidding. But that's interesting that, that Oklahoma opens the season on the road at Tulane. It's 11 a.m. kick. I'm not saying anything crazy is going to happen. I'm just saying that I would not want to do that if I were Oklahoma. But my number three on my list is LSU at UCLA. I think this game is going to be a barn burner. There's going to be a lot of offense. I think a lot of points are going to be scored. Um, the reason I say that this is pivotal is I, I think that UCLA is a legitimate contender in the Pac-12 this season. And I also think if I see a, a really impressive performance from, from LSU, I could see them finishing. Uh, it, it, would, it would give me more confidence in my second, picking LSU second in the West. That, so it's just going to help me feel out these two different teams, whether or not they can do things on that defense or not. Just literally, can you hold them under 30 points is my question in this game. Can either team hold, hold uh, the other under 30 points? I think it's going to be a lot of fun, though. They're actually third on my list, so go ahead and go on to your second. You hit all the points that I had. Oh, dang. Uh, my, my, uh, my number two is uh, Bama versus Miami. Uh, I think this game is going to be interesting for about uh, two quarters, and then after that, Bama will take over. But my question is, is what does what does Miami do within those two quarters? Are they going to be winning? Are they going to be just behind? Are they going to kick a field goal like USC did in 2015 and act like they just won the national title and then get proceed to get curb stomped? Or are, are they going to hold on within those two quarters? Or are they just going to give up? So I, I think that week one for Bama – it's getting Bryce Young comfortable. What does he look like against a Miami defense that has a pretty good amount of production returning? Um, again, just another game to kind of feel out two contenders within their conferences. Alabama, New Bama offense, just like you were saying. Miami, are they legit? Because some folks out there 
PFF, I'm looking at you. There were, I can't remember who it was, but one of the PFF analysts, and this is so discrediting at times, but a PFF analyst had them winning the national championship. And I was like, what? Wait, Miami? Yes. Th- this year? Yes. In this economy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't the 1980s. Inflation. I was, I, was about to do a, uh, I was about to do a Simpsons bit, but I couldn't remember the rest of it. But yeah, that's, that's insane. Yeah, I don't trust the defense enough to get them there. But this offense, if it was, I may like this Miami offense, Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold back there. I like this Miami offense a lot more than 95% of college football. It's a top-tier offense in college football. I do believe that. With the talent that it has there, I think they've got a good offensive line. Of course, they have a Heisman-quality quarterback if it can stay healthy. Also, if they can establish a more consistent passing game. The problem is, and I mean this in, in, a, in a good way, I don't, I don't mean this in a negative way, but Rhett Lashley is of the Gus Malzahn school with developing quarterbacks which means there are certain restrictions placed on quarterbacks in the way that they're developed. And what I mean by that is it still has a lot of those one-read tendencies. And if you go and look at Derek King's heat map last year at Miami, the hot zone is literally at the line of scrimmage on the sideline. What does that tell you? Bubble screens, baby. Bubble screens, tunnel screens, screen, screen, screens. All right. <laughs> so uh, it's still very much, it's still very similar to that. I, th- I thought a trip with Sonny Dykes at SMU would have fixed that, but there's still a lot of those tendencies in the offense, and that will hold Miami back when they play an elite defense like Alabama. Yeah, I think it will. Uh, my number one on this list, uh, I. I, I think this is number one on your list as well. I'm I'm not going to be angry if it's not. I, but UGA versus Clemson, 100%. It's number one. It's number one. This is this is a playoff game in week one. At least it is on paper. This is going to be an incredibly exciting matchup. Can UGA score on this Clemson defense? Can this Clemson offense score on this Georgia defense? Really interesting to see how these two new quarterbacks actually play against some some elite competition on the defensive side of the football. Really exciting game, heavyweight matchup, cannot wait for it. Best game of the week, in my opinion. I'll say it's a playoff preview. I don't want to say it's a playoff game because I think that indicates that one of these teams still can't make the playoff if they don't win. I think regardless of who loses this ball game, they can still make it back into the playoff. Now, the road is much tougher for Georgia if they were to lose in this game because they can no longer take a loss the rest of the year and still get in. And ain't a 12-team playoff yet. And more than likely, I, I, and, and this was my prediction in media days, they'll be taking an Alabama on in the SEC championship. And, and I, I did predict Georgia. I, I think Georgia can get past Alabama this year. Will they? That, that's still up in the air. That's, that's still a question. I think they can get past Alabama. But it makes the road a lot tougher, obviously, for them to get in. Whereas if they were to win this game, you've established with the country immediately that Georgia is capable of beating a playoff caliber team. Thus, if you were to lose the SEC championship and that was your only loss, the SEC has a real argument for two teams yet again in the SEC championship or in the college football playoff. Boom. There you go. Dylan, are, are, are there any games that we're leaving off? Are we leaving off the uh, the Army-Georgia State game? Is that a game that, we're, that you, you are a Georgia State guy? I do like Georgia State, but uh, one game that I was thinking about was, uh, it's not a pivotal game, but I think it's going to be a fun game, Louisville Ole Miss. Battle, a lot of points will be scored. Battle of the offenses. We could get 100 points combined in this game. I thought you were about to say Miami of Ohio at Cincinnati because oh, of this, uh, the, uh, the, that's the, the actually Cincinnati a rivalry the game. The battle gentlemen. of the victory bowl? It is. It is. Uh, by Bearcats will uh, clean slate with uh, – They play for a trophy, uh, gentlemen. That's going to that's gonna be ugly. 
can we can we get some Fs in the chat for Miami of Ohio right now? That's they going get to no be pity from brutal. Me. Also, uh, even the guy wearing the Cincinnati hat. I believe it's uh, who who's Ohio's former uh, football coach Frank Solich. Yes. I think uh, he just finally retired, but Syracuse has, Syracuse has to go on the road and play Ohio at night. That's another game. I'm not saying anything's going to happen. I'm just saying. Solich still coaching this year, though? No, he just retired, like okay. just a month or so ago. Um, actually, it might have been uh, more recent than that. might have been just a couple weeks ago. Um, that's that's another game. Um, Louisiana at Texas. Not saying anything crazy is going to happen. I'm just saying we all saw what happened to Ohio State last year. We all saw that. What about San Jose State and USC? San Jose State. Oh, no, you guys go. are playing. Don't be tripping. I'm not. San Jose State. <laughs> They was could. a Mountain West Conference contender last year. Did they win the championship last year? Yes, in the they did West? over Boise State. Yeah, yeah. So don't be tripping now, okay? <laughs> San Jose State can play. I think. Now I, I say that because out. I'm doing an NCAA football dynasty with them. We're turning into a national powerhouse at the moment. But don't be tripping. I also think Twitter will be paying real close attention to the Eastern Washington UNLV game strictly strictly because of Tate Martell. Yeah. Dude, you are like the bear right now. On game day, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, dude. Bears board. That's you are really, you are really coming really. in right now. <laughs> Jacob, can we get some non-group of five games that maybe we've left out? Stanford, oh, Kansas State. This is that was that's not there because both of those teams are down, but that would be like two thousand circa two thousand twelve. <laughs> that would have been a playoff game if we had one. They're back both then. so terrible, they match up perfectly. This is one group of five team, but BYU, Arizona, Vegas, Ooh. kickoff classic. Arizona's that bad. Uh, BYU is obviously not going to be as good as they were last mm-hmm. year. No Zach Wilson, but Arizona is that bad to lose that game. I think it should be a fun game. Nine thirty p.m. ESPN. That that's going to be kind of the last game of the night with New Mexico State, San Diego. Do State, you Utah make it State, to halftime? I know you do, but I do say, I make it to yeah. halftime? <laughs> I will make it to halftime, um, but but I don't know if if some of y'all will. Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State. Potential we, loss. We have seen Mississippi State lose to to terrible teams that they should not have. The one that I'm specifically thinking of was the South Alabama loss just uh, three or four years ago. Man, that feels like forever ago now I'm thinking about it. I remember sitting there in front of my television and being like, my dad's standing behind me. I'm like, yeah, he's about to miss this kick. Watch this. And they just, he was like, no, they're going to win Like win this. I can't even believe South's in it. And it's just boom. There it goes. Mm-hmm. We could see something like that against Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech is not a slouch. They're not a bad mm. group of five team. I got a couple more. Fresno State and Oregon. It, it'll be uh, fun. I like Fresno State. I think they could get it late? for a little bit. It is at 2 p.m. No, I'm out. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Loveless, uh, Utah State takes on Washington State at 10. Y'all are tripping right now. West Virginia, Maryland. T- see if Talia Tungavaloa is. That's uh, a good game. Ooh, yeah, That's a potential is. upset. That's fun. Yeah. I like that. Marshall Navy. College football, let's go, baby. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, Lance just Lance just spazzed. <laughs> let's go, baby. So we got a whole month, Lance, okay? Um, Texas Tech Houston. Ball camp. Potential future Big 12 matchup. In my Big 12, it is. <laughs> we also got the we got the Flames versus the Fighting Camels of Campbell. Okay, you're, you are, you really now are you're tripping right deep. now. <laughs> I'm digging deep. I love college football. I, I might watch that game. Duke at Charlotte? Uh, Charlotte was pretty bad last <laughs> year. Texas Tech Houston? Michigan, uh, he just said that. Yeah, I was, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, State Northwestern, Northwestern. I think is a good one. I think State should win that game. Northwestern's not going to be good this year. They lost so much. Wouldn't it be something for the SEC if Louisiana came out and beat Texas? Yes. 
I mean, that would be yeah. So I'm pulling for that. Insane. That'd you mean hilarious. new Big Twelve team, Louisiana? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a Power Five match. Greg Sankey's looking. We're going. We'll take him. Shoot. Uh, well, no. at this point, I think we've gone down the whole schedule. Probably. I got North one Carolina, more. Virginia Tech. That's actually one that I'm shocked you guys have not mentioned yet. Because North Carolina's good for a loss, or, or a couple losses every year that that. Make you scratch your head. It's on the road. Mr. Sandman, gentlemen, will be playing inside in Blacksburg, Virginia. It's it's going to be legit. I, I thought just it's Inter Sandman, not Mr. Sandman. Yeah, I don't know why I said Mr. Sandman. <laughs> I just feel like that game is potential to turn it off at halftime because Sam Howell has five touchdowns Dude, already. A team actually so. should do that. Like if this was at North Carolina, they should do that whenever Virginia Tech comes out of the tunnel. <laughs> like Mr. Sandman. Mr. Sandman instead of Inter Sandman. That would be hilarious. Did anyone mention Nevada Cal? Carson Strong versus Ooh, uh, Cal Berkeley. That's a good game, dude. Gosh, there's a, there are some legit. There are listeners out there thinking, "What do you guys do with your lives?" <laughs> Watch Sorry. college football. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like John Rothstein says. Some people have hobbies. I watch college basketball, yes. but in my case, some people have hobbies. I watch college football, and I guess college basketball too. Hey, I'm just well. I wish I wish Auburn Akron was at 11 a.m. Because so you could have watched everything, everything else. Yes. Yeah. I wish we weren't playing Akron. <laughs> yeah, it is unfortunate that you missed the Clemson-Georgia game. Yeah. Being inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Odds that there is some cheers in Jordan-Hare Stadium because Georgia will be losing. I'd say it's pretty, there's some pretty good odds. I think Georgia ends up winning that ball game. Oh, yeah. I don't know I, if they look if back. If Clemson wins, yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, I was saying, I was basically asking, do you guys think that Clemson will be winning? No. Mm. At some point, so. at some point, maybe. Maybe it's three zero. I, I think they'll get an, in the middle of the first. I didn't get an early lead. I, I kind of think Clemson right at this moment right now. I think Clemson is going to win by a touchdown. I think Clemson's defense might be able to stop Georgia's offense more often than not. I have high hopes for DJ Ongolale. Or however you say his last name. That was pretty good. Was, that was yeah, good. That was First close. time I've ever heard, heard heard you say that name. Last matchup I want to get to, a battle of two SEC head coaches in Central Michigan at Missouri. Jim McElwain throwing down at Missouri. Did, I told didn't he, he lose to Missouri really badly one year? Yeah, he did. It was like 41-17. to 17 yeah. and It was like at Florida. And it was like, what is going on? That's what? funny. Also, we have, uh, we have Rice, Arkansas. You know, Rice, the... Beat Alabama three times, three and zero against the Alabama Crimson Tide versus the Don't Arkansas forget. Razorbacks. <laughs> yes, sir. Woo Y'all pig. are ridiculous. Y'all are ridiculous. <laughs> Baylor at Texas State. That's. I'm kidding. That is not. You know what's funny? Okay, and I'll, I will end this segment on this on NCAA football. The last one on, on NCAA football 14. Reese Davis, I think, is is your commentator in that ball game. And whenever you play at Texas State, you know they have the pre-recorded stuff that they play all the time when you go to certain places. He says this. He says, I've said it once and I'll say it again. You don't just walk into San Marcos, Texas and expect to get an easy win. <laughs> Last night, I played Texas State and beat them 52-10 to 10 in San Marcos, Texas. I did indeed expect to get an easy win. Gentlemen, let's go to break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. 334-321-1390. Text line at 334-564-1840. Just had a fun conversation about week one. Lance, you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> He's ready to run through a wall. No I'm ready deal. to run through a wall, man. I cannot tell you. So, like, on, on college football Saturdays, 
like game day starts at eight, right? I will not get up for for anything during the summer, like on Saturday. Like I won't do it. School comes around, and obviously, like I would want to sleep on the weekends if I could. I'm getting up at eight in the morning to watch college game day, and I'm getting up to watch college football for the rest of the day. It is it is important. It, it's one of those things where it's tough to do whenever Friday night there's a Pac-12 game that goes kind of late. But yeah, pretty much. I'm up at pretty early, almost crack of dawn, ready to go. And I don't get a lot of sleep on college football weekends and even college basketball weekends. It's just one of those things where I want to be up, so it's easy to do. I do high school football on Friday nights, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, and you know this, because me and you went to Selma for a baseball yeah. game a couple of months ago. Can't believe it's only it's already fast-forwarded through that time. It's times when I get back way too early in the morning for me to be waking up at eight. But and then I, I'm going to Jordan Hare Stadium the next day to go and check out some stuff. So especially if it's an 11 a.m. game. That's right. Hopefully there aren't too many of those this year. We'll be two. You already got one. And it's early in the year. It, people will realize after Auburn beats Penn State that they're not to be placed at 11 a.m. Also, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm ready for already. I'm I'm a cool weather guy. I'm already ready for it to kind of like start uh, moving into that fall kind of feel. I'm but then you're halfway that. through the season. No, I'm ready for it to be like just more brisk in the air. Like you can feel that in early September. You can already feel like I'm not waiting for it to get cold. I'm just waiting for the air to stop being so humid. Rare. I, I will. September's. I, I disagree with that. September is some of the hottest times of the year here. I'll never forget that LSU game my freshman year in 2018. Man, yeah. People were passing out left. I was right in New Orleans during Dude. that time too. Good gracious. It was Damn. crazy. I'm not saying that it's going to get cooler. Right. I'm just saying you know how like the air like lightens up. A it does. Bit. You can. You, you There's can less tell. rain. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. just. I'm waiting for it to start to move into that. It's would, so humid. Bro. What if? What if it ever? Last year would have been the year, but what if it had ever snowed in Jordan Hare? I'm just. I'm just throwing out what. Said last stuff. year would have been the year. Well, because we played a home game in December. Oh yeah, yeah. That's true. So now, I mean, chances of it happening. It's in not happening. Slim, I know. Not happening. It'd no, be no. cool though. That would be cool. Maybe whenever the playoff gets expanded and Auburn has to travel to Wisconsin, that's when it'll happen. There we go. Auburn, Auburn football gets a bowl game. You mean whenever, whenever Wisconsin's in the SEC, and that will, <laughs> that will be a, a cross-division rivalry late in November. I was going to say. Time to put this thing back on the tracks, guys. We only have a minute left. What did you guys think about Stanford coach David Shaw's interesting response to Nick Saban's comments about NIL? Said it was not a recruiting tactic. To, he said there wasn't a, it wasn't a good recruiting ca- tactic that we should use to say that you know there, there's good value for some of these programs you know like Alabama's you're talking about the eight hundred thousand dollars that Bryce Young has neared I, I I thought these were a pretty weak this was a pretty weak response he said that it was a bad thing like we shouldn't be saying that yes he was like I don't know if we should be going down that road why not it's like if that's what my if that's what my program's doing if that's what my 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 players are 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 getting like why wouldn't I flex my muscles a little bit come to my program like we're awesome we're big time we're not Stanford <laughs> yeah I think I think it's kind of weak and I understand from a point of view saying okay you shouldn't be saying some kids what he's making out loud but I Fair. still Nick Saban should have all the rights to say hey we've got a kid making a lot of money and that's how you, that's how you do the recruiting thing now of course. David Shaw, unintentionally, is a recruiting pitch for Alabama. The fact that he brought that up is telling people, hey, look, you can make money over there in case anyone didn't hear it. This is why you scheduled Vanderbilt and you didn't (laughs) schedule Alabama. You are scared to play anyone else in the SEC. It's true. He's playing Kansas State. Rip.
<laughs> I think it, honestly, I think Stanford loses that game to Kansas State. I believe Skylar Thompson's still the quarterback there. They're good. Kansas they're, State's not half bad. They're, they're not bad, man. What if they win the Big and the 12 new this Big year? Yeah, <laughs> and, hey, in the new Big Twelve, they're the team running the show. There you go. Yeah. Thirty minutes left. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Dylan Lark and Jacob Hillman helping us produce the show today. Phone lines, 334-321-1390. Spectre, how you doing today? I'm all right. Um, I was just going to touch on the recruiting Go for it. At all with the new uh, coaching staff here, and I've, I've noticed uh, I did some homework on these guys, the new coaching staff, and uh, as far as the, the twenty-two, the twenty-two class goes, they rank in pretty low, and I got the highest rank on here is Mike Bobo at, at seventy-six. Of all the all the recruiters in the SEC, and I think they only go up to 115 or something something like that. Yeah, but, uh, we got we got Mike Bobo at 76, and Zach Etheridge at 80. Brad, the offensive line coach, this is the big one, is at 86 with one commit, and then you got uh, the wide receiver coach Williams at 91, Jeff Schimdinger. Ding, a Shimding, I guess that's his name. Schmetting. Yeah, defensive coordinator. Yeah. Along with 95 and Mason 98, and the linebacker coach at 109, and running back coach from Cadillac Williams at 115. And this is the class of 22. So uh, that's why my that's why my light is blinking red. Yeah, yeah, there are definitely some uh, guys on Auburn's coaching staff right now that don't have a lot of experience. A lot of guys coming from that Mountain West area. That and then uh, the receivers coach uh, Cornelius Williams coming from Troy. Guys that have not necessarily had the opportunity to com- recruit at an SEC level. When you're seeing that uh, Auburn's still dead last in the SEC, they're 63rd nationally now. Now that they've gotten Damari Alston, that four-star running back out of Georgia. Uh, but yeah, they're very unproven, and it's. I think it's just going to take time for us to see some some serious well, results. Well, the three that really have the SEC experience are, that is really surprising me at this being so low in the in the rankings is is Bobo uh, Mason and Cadillac uh, Williams. Yeah, and I, and I'll say this, Specter, they will move up in those rankings as guys commit. That that's how twenty four seven sports or wherever you got it. Did you get it from twenty four seven sports? I did. That's how they grade their recruiters is based off of the stars of the players and how many that they that they were able to to get to commit them and, and that were labeled as the recruiters. So as Auburn brings in more, but I'll say this: Did you see a li- have you, have you happened to see a list of the guys that? came to visit for Big Cat Weekend. Did, did you did you notice any trends if you happen to look at a list, or, 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 or did you not look at one? No, I didn't look at one. So if, if you looked at it, there was 2022, 2023, 2024 guys that came to visit. 2022, largely it was three stars. 
there really weren't there were hardly any four stars on the list that I saw 2023 it was a handful of five stars and pretty much all four stars coming in I think what that tells me right now and I'm not saying that this coaching staff has given up but I think this coaching staff has realized that they're a little bit too far behind on some of these recruiting battles for four stars and of course even the five stars at this point for them to be able to snatch some of those commitments I think they've surveyed the landscape and they said hey we're maybe a little bit behind on these guys this year let's go and get who we can get maybe land a couple of diamond in the rough types of players some hidden gems and then hopefully next year you you've built some of those relationships with those five and four star guys to be able to land them next year because they are starting from scratch maybe not Bobo and Mason but they are starting from scratch and recruiting those guys to Auburn and so I think that's kind of the strategy at the moment yeah you're right yeah I'm not giving up hope I mean like I said my light's blinking but it can go the other way but um, I'm just surprised at at Mason and Bobo though as, as, as long as they've been in the league yeah yeah, they've got to be able. They've they. I think they will pick it up. They've got to, and they will. I believe they will. All right, guys. That's all I got today. Appreciate it, Specter. Hope you have a good weekend, my man. You too. That was Specter on the line with us. If you want to call in three three four three two one thirteen ninety text line three three four five six four one eight four zero. Thoughts on that, gentlemen? Yeah, I, I, I agree with him. I the recruiting, you know. For, for any Auburn fan, at least for this year's class. I mean, like, obviously the the coaching staff's going through things right now and there are some external factors that are that are that have contributed to this their rankings being so low on twenty four seven sports and on rivals, but I will say, like, it is going to get better. Like I, I, no no fan wants their team to be last in their conference in recruiting, but it will get better, and it's going to get better. And like you mentioned, 2023, they're going after those big names, yeah. I, and I, I'm I'm confident that the, that these veterans, Bobo and Mason, will be able to get some of those guys. I definitely think that's the big thing: is that 2023 showing promise with those big time visitors, and also just the fact that a lot of these coaches are young and are inexperienced. So eventually, they're gonna get those big four and five stars listed to their name on 24-7 sports. But right now, it's not going to look pretty. And I think that's what we kind of knew when this staff was being assembled was that, okay, Derek Mason, Bobo, Cadillac, we know that they can get the big names, but all these other guys, they're going to have to prove themselves as they haven't been quite at this high of a level in their coaching career. Yeah, and and I like the fact that A, Spectre brought the facts there, listed those rankings, because that's what we've been doing. There's no, there's no doubts about it. Auburn's 67, 62nd nationally and 14th in the SEC. That is fact. On 24-7 sports composite team rankings, that is fact. People can't argue that. Now, we can spin this the way that we just spun it, and Spectre agreed with it too, and a lot of people agree with this. The tactic right now, you're not going to see Auburn really climb past 8th in the SEC this year. But I don't think that's the goal for them this year. Now, we have talked to Christian Clemente, of AuburnSports.com he said they're really not meeting their standards right now and I don't think that they are but I I I don't think the expectation at the moment and I I don't think the goal at the moment this season was necessarily to go and snatch some of these big guys across the country in 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 SEC territory that are fours and fives I think you want to get a handful of fours you want to get some depth players you want to get some guys in the program that you think you can develop that you think you can turn into a starter one day and and are going to fit your culture well and you are going to go hard in the transfer portal after this season to really flesh out the rest and then next year hopefully you've done enough on 
on, on this year's recruiting trail to help you out in 2023 to get some of those guys to sign that are fours and five stars to really begin to flesh out the class because this this coaching staff and maybe this is just incredible foresight what everybody right now maybe is so impatient about including us here on the air and and i'm trying to take more of a a patient approach at the moment and i'll just be honest about that maybe something that people have been so impatient about right now ends up being an, an incredible strength and foresight of this recruiting class that they saw look we were going to lose all of those recruiting battles let's go and get some players and develop them because we know we can develop them and then now we've put a lot of legwork and hard work into next year's class where I sure sure a lot of these other programs Georgia and Alabama are recruiting those guys hard but they're also focusing on recruiting battles right now at the moment Auburn's not having to devote as many resources to top tier players in the 2022 class they're able to devote a lot of resources to next year's class in that same sense it's not like they're not recruiting this year they are but I think they are putting an emphasis more on the future than maybe they are they are at the moment which it may be just an incredible move from from a foresight perspective knowing that there's not much that they could do this year it's 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 like retreating to a more advantageous position yeah and, and then launching a counteroffensive on recruiting yeah. I, I guess that's a, maybe that's a good point lance yeah i think i think just the the overarching theme here is you get we we just have to give it time as fans we got to be patient you're not going to be able to glean a whole lot from year one especially after COVID, especially after losing uh, a a head coach and a lot of guys from the previous uh, coaching staff and their recruiting uh, abilities just give it time you just got to be able to give it time but that does not mean you should not look at 14th in the sec right now and not say at least a little bit yeah i wouldn't want my team here right now just give it time auburn will get back to where they've been Gentlemen, David Pollack said that Arizona State had the best shot to knock off Oregon as favorites this year in the Pac-12. We only got a couple of minutes left in this segment. Do you buy that, or is it someone else this year? So are we talking about within their own division? No, Uh, entire conference. Just the entire conference. Um, I think that's one of the teams. I think you could also look at UCLA and USC as two teams that could, could win that division potentially, at least in my mind. Um, so I would almost want to say USC would be the team that I think could beat them in a Pac-12 title game. Why SC? Because uh, I, I like the production that they bring back. I like Kendon Slovis. I don't think that if I had to pick between UCLA and USC right now, I would go with the Bruins. Um, Arizona State was supposed to be good last year, and I don't believe that they were anything special. I'd have to go and look at their record and see what they actually did, but I don't think that they were able... Two and two last two year. Two and two, yeah. They weren't anything... Didn't really play a tough schedule either. They they lost to USC, I believe. Actually, I remember watching that game. They got Lost up. by one. Yeah, they got up, and then uh, USC scored some last-minute touchdown, and then Daniels couldn't sustain a, a game-winning drive, and the game was over. But Follow me here, gentlemen. Kyle Whittingham. Utah, Utes. Utah. Charlie Brewer, new quarterback for Utah. The guy can throw. We watched him at yeah. Baylor over the last couple of years. Solid quarterback. Utah now loses Jake Bentley, which is a good thing. Six touchdowns to six interceptions last year wasn't great for Utah a year ago. Utah went three and two last year. Lost to USC in Washington. Only lost to Washington by three. Lost to USC by sixteen. Here's what I like about Utah. I've talked to y'all about what it takes to win a championship. You need a great quarterback. I think Charlie Brewer fits that in the Pac-12. We have to change that scale. I'm not talking about national scale. I'm talking about Pac-12 scale here. Charlie Brewer is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback. Okay, I won't say if not the best because I think there are a couple. Like Keaton Slovis and Jaden Daniels probably are better than him. But he's still a, he's still a top-tier quarterback in the Pac-12 this upcoming year. They also have an exceptional offensive line. All right, this offensive line last year helped them average 5.1 yards per carry, nearly 200 rush yards. They also only gave up seven sacks in five games. 
It's a little over one a sack a game. That's, that's hardly none at all. I think last year, the only offensive line that did better than that in this Pac-12 was Washington, who only gave up one sack last year across four games, which is super impressive. But they don't give a whole lot of sacks. They got pass protection. 60.9% completion percentage last year. I think you see a jump there because of Charlie Brewer, and then obviously they can run the ball really effectively. They go on the defensive side of the football. Do you have a solid defense? They have a solid defense. Opponents only completed 57.6% of their passes, 3.8 yards per carry on the ground, 26 points allowed per game last year. 26 points allowed per game last year in pretty much any conference that wasn't terrible because defense was down last year. They bring back nine starters on that side of the football, 19 starters total on this football team. And Kyle Whittingham is the best head coach in the Pac-12. 17 years running at Utah. 17 years running this guy constantly gets the most out of Utah and when I'm talking about a team that is stable if you compare them to USC you compare them to Arizona State those two teams may have better offenses they do not have better football teams though they do not have more complete football teams than Utah they don't have the offensive line that Utah has they don't have the defense that Utah has Utah is going to take a massive step forward this year I like them a lot I, I, I'm going to take them. I, USC is good for losing games that they shouldn't. We saw them last year go undefeated into the Pac-12 title game. I was kind of shocked that they didn't lose games that they shouldn't last year. But we know this, 12-game schedule, USC is good for losing two or three games that they shouldn't to subpar teams, mainly because of that defense. I'm going to rock with Utah and say that Utah finds a way to have a steady Eddie 10-2 year and find a way to that Pac-12 title game, maybe 9-3, that could still be good enough to win that division, because it typically is. I'm not mad at that, and then also I'll add on to that and say the reason that they might win uh, the uh, the Pac-12 over Oregon is because they have a defensive lineman named Tennessee Pututatu. That's right, Tennessee Pututatu. Freshman defensive lineman. That is an awesome name. I think it's Pututau, I think. Oh, I, I misread it, I'm sorry. <laughs> But still, a great name. A fantastic name. It is. There's some other teams in this too many sphere. T- I, I read too many T's. That's right. Oregon, as well, has some incredible names, I think, that you can look at. Like Popo Amave. Dang. Some Nose do- tackle. Some Nose dope. tackle named Popo. Some they dope the names. <laughs> some dope names on the defensive side of the ball in the Pac-12. That's right. Jacob, you got a thought? Yeah, I mean, not really. Just I do really like those names. Like I said, it's the Polynesians that they bring over on the West Coast, and they're always fun to watch. They are, I mean, like I said, Arizona State, maybe, but I like the Utah pick more so. Let's head to the phone lines here, 334-321-1390. Brett's on the line with us. Hey, fellas. I keep hearing all the hand-wringing about uh, recruiting. And I understand when you look at a list and it says Auburn's number 63, that it's it's better to be higher than 63 than 63. But seeing that uh, I think we're pretty sure a four-star in Caden Story is going to commit to Auburn. Right. Jacoby Albert's probably going to commit to Auburn. He His uh, ranking is .8900. If you're a .904, you're a four-star. If y'all or anybody else can tell me what the big difference is in the point zero 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 four, uh, I'll be more than happy to listen to you right there. <laughs> also remember, also remember, um, even though it doesn't count on a recruiting services ranking, as far as who's on your roster, if you've got a guy who's going to be at Auburn for three to four years and be a three-year starter and a good kick returner in the secondary, 
plus a guy for three to four years who's second on the depth chart at defensive end, had seven and a half tackles for loss in the last five games in a Power Five uh, conference, a guy in the Big Ten who had four sacks in eight Big Ten games, a junior college defensive player of the year who also will have three years left, and then a good backup quarterback. I'm thinking your ranking's going to be pretty dang high. Oh, and by the way, seven teams in the top 25 have a lower, you know, per player ranking than Auburn. So it's not as bad as people think. No, Auburn's not. It's not going to have a, one of the best recruiting years for sure. But it, it's nowhere near this. Oh my God, we're going to, you know what, in a handbasket, and because we're, we're number 63. That's that's just not the fact. I agree with what you're saying. You're saying put the facts in perspective. Yeah, this stuff about oh well, we the recruiting service doesn't uh, count towards your twenty four seven arrivals uh, star ranking or whatever you want to call it. it that, none of that matters. It, it, if you got a dang good football player, you got a dang good football player. I don't really care if they count in the ranking or not. I agree with all that. I, I think, and I think that's kind of the gist of what we're saying is kind of put the facts in perspective. Is that yeah, the facts are that it doesn't look great at the moment, but it's going to be okay. And the strategy is what it is. Auburn, Auburn's just they're they're, they're not going to get as many fives and fours as some of the other teams are. They're going to get a handful of fours. They're going to get some threes. But next year, they're going hard after those guys. And then also on top of that, you're talking about like the average rating of these recruits. Still pretty good. It's and not bad. Auburn is is not last in the SEC. They're like. 10th or 11th I think and that's like for where this coaching staff has come from I think that's pretty good and like you said Auburn's got some guys coming on the way that are going to boost it but like you said uh, if they're a good football player we'll take them and I think this coaching staff has the ability to develop them past a three-star or three-star ranking yeah and, and last thing Auburn Auburn's problem in the past hadn't been their recruiting ranking it's recruiting every position you know, if you leave a uh, – so far they hadn't done this year, 2022, but if you leave a uh, position group of five and you only get eight in three years, you're you're not going to do real well yep. as far as you know, being a championship contender. Two, two positions stick out, quarterback and O-line, at least from a development yeah. standpoint. Definitely numbers on O-line, like you point out. Brett, we got to head to break. We appreciate it, my man. Later. Call back. That was Brett on the line with us. Let's head to our last break of the show. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. In the sports world, let's take a look at what's going on in Tokyo with the Olympics live on NBC from 7 to 10.30. It's the all-around event in women's gymnastics, finals in swimming and track and field. Goes Sinisa Lee, gold medal for the future Auburn Tiger and has confirmed she is coming to Auburn. Live on CNBC at 7, U.S. Women's Beach Volleyball plays the Netherlands. At 8, you can catch men's and women's rowing along with the U.S. Women's Rugby Team against Australia. Live from 7 to 10.30, coverage of the first day of track and field will be on USA. Olympic replays are on NBCSN. U.S. men's water polo, the, the water version of handball, faces Italy at 7. Following it at 8, U.S. women's volleyball takes on Turkey. 
representing the United States. But outside of the Olympics, the United States men's national team placed Qatar in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Gold Cup at 7 on FS1. And the other semifinal at 9, Mexico and Canada will play for the other spot in the Gold Cup final. What are you guys watching tonight? I'm watching, uh, I'm watching uh, some YouTube. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Are you, though? <laughs> uh, maybe. You're watching the NBA draft. Yeah, I'm watching the NBA draft. Of course, I'm watching the NBA draft. I'm seeing where Sharif uh, Cooper's going. I'm seeing where JT Thor's going. I'll be writing stories. I'll be making graphics. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. NBA draft switching switching back and forth between that and the Olympics, especially the golf. I'm, like I said, I'm intrigued by the golf just because it's also on Golf Channel. Golf. Excuse me. Primetime golf is the <laughs> Still best. Still got it. Primetime golf. I'll be turning into the NBA draft. I guess I'll be watching the draft as well. I also just got a report. The Warriors rejected an offer from the 76ers. Mm-hmm. The war- the Warriors or the 76ers said they want Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, the number seven and fourteen pick for two future first rounders yeah. and Ben Simmons. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. So even the Warriors don't want Ben Simmons. Well, not for that Hall. That's insane. Ben yeah. Simmons is worth. You give up a the future clip. of my franchise. <laughs> a paperclip. I'd take yeah. it for a, bag, a half-eaten bag of chips. Yeah. <laughs> What? Yeah, <laughs> gotta be. I, th- I think in your half-eaten bag of chips, there would you would have to pull out a chip of like it would have, it would have to look like Darth Vader. That's something would would like go the Texans are. Let's be real. Chip. Ben Simmons barely has that value right now. <laughs> Let's be honest. We'll see you on Monday.